Welcome to the OC Endurance Podcast. I think we're on episode number five. My name is Chris Elmore, along with my hosts, Tony Macias and Austin Ray. How are you guys doing this week? Doing pretty good, thanks. How you doing, Yeah, doing Austin? well, doing well. No complaints. Yeah, you're back back in California, Austin. I mean, uh, Tony? Yeah, yeah, I got back uh, last Thursday, and it's nice to be nice to be home, but obviously missing, missing paradise here and um, just getting back to it. Yeah, how's the uh, how's the foot? The foot's doing okay. I actually put in my first run on the on the foot again on uh, well, I guess yesterday. I just did a, an easy eight miler at uh, like eight minute pace and just ran the river trail. So there's you know obviously just being able to run straight is is what I need, and that worked out really well. And I just actually got off the treadmill for a quick four before this one. So yeah, I think it's, it's healing up pretty well and able to uh, get right back into training this week. Now, is it all right to get in the pool? I haven't tested that yet. Uh, I'm a little a little hesitant, uh, but I think I'll try that tomorrow. All right. Well, what is, what's next for you now that Hawaii is done? I just have Finland coming up now. So I have, I have nothing really on the calendar between now and Finland, which I think is 11 weeks, if I'm not mistaken, if Training Peaks isn't lying to me. And um, that's... Uh, that'll be good for me because I, I didn't take a, a re- we, you know, we were talking about rest days and, and the importance of recovery, you know, on, on discord. And, um, I hadn't taken a rest day, a, a complete day off since Boston. So I went from Boston to Hawaii on basically six weeks straight with, with no rest day. So after Hawaii, I think I've taken three full rest days now, nice. uh, part of it being the foot, part of it being travel, but it, it's a nice little reset. So now I, I can actually get an, a nice full train block here and actually build in some, cutback weeks and some recovery weeks so i have more time during this build very cool yeah when i get back next week uh we're gonna we'll have to sure up uh bike transportation from the airport to lati maybe i'll get a minivan make it a little easier for us to get our bikes back and forth that'd be nice so yeah although pauline pauline did qualify which was cool on uh what was that saturday or sunday whatever day that was but uh i've been chatting with her she found a car service or a service that'll actually take your your bike not the norm not the one that i think uh um that they're showing on the iron man site but mm-hmm. she sent me a link for another company that'll take your bike back and forth so that's cool i haven't looked into that yet so how about you austin how you doing great yeah no complaints solid weekend nice ride got a hb pier swimming and I got to tell you, I really love a low, low tide because that, you know, cut, gosh, three minutes just running instead of swimming for an extra (laughs) probably 150 yards or something. So, yeah, a lot of fun. And then a nice, easy run on Sunday with Stevie around Back Bay and back into it this week. Yeah, I was pretty jealous. There were a lot of you in in the cycling photo this weekend. Yeah, there were a ton, man. I, I didn't get to turn around and ride with the group. Um had to get to the the swim but i was contemplating just skipping the swim and continuing the ride because that was a solid group i think tony i didn't even see tony because he wasn't in his typical kit but you know tony michael stevie sujan annie jacob all sorts of people man it was great yeah i know tony was in his uh iron man was that the hawaii kit that's the Hawaii kit yeah i've, yeah, I, I've was, broken uh, like I said, that was the second time i broke it out since uh, since october so it's it's a rare <laughs> sighting awesome. who is that that's guy cool. in all black <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good yeah, it was a good time though man you missed out yeah i was jealous don't worry i was looking at all the photos of you guys so so what's next for you austin 
Arizona. Um, Ironman Arizona. That's kind of the the A race. Doing um, Long Beach Marathon you know, about a month before that. Kind of sort of a race, but really just a you know long final training run um, for Ironman Arizona. Um, and just some small things here and there, but nothing that I'm really targeting. So yeah, Ironman Arizona will be at November. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sweet. Well, if I sound different, it is because I am not in California. I'm the one that's remote this week. You three are in California and I am remote. I am in Panama City Beach, Florida this week on a week's vacation, visiting the in-laws, getting the kids out here. And every time I come out here, I say I could live out here because uh, it does. It, they live right by the beach. They live in a little uh, community that, you know, there's canals that run through the whole community. So I go out for runs and I'm running along the canal and then um, I can run right to the water. And today we were out, uh, we rented a double-decker Pondu or pond, uh, what do you call those? Double decker uh, boats. Pontoon. Pontoon. I said pondu. I was thinking pondu. I'm hungry. I was thinking pondu. Pontoon. Yeah, we took one of those out. It had uh, two uh, water, like water slides on it. And uh, there's this little island uh, off the bay. There's a portion of this area that's a bay. And um, you take the, the the boats out to this island called Shell Island, and there's just sand dollars everywhere. There's crabs walking around underneath, and um, seahorses, and you know, just all kinds of stuff out there. Um, so we were swimming and jumping off the the second story all day today. So you guys can't see because we don't have to do video, but I am nice and red. I'm working on my my tan while I'm here, but uh, I am working out. So I did get four thousand yards in the pool this morning. So that was a, that was a good swim and, nice. uh, and I've been doing some running, so still ramping up the running from surgery, but, uh, things are, things are feeling pretty good. No and you're still vlogging while you're out there too. I am. I yeah. actually took on like daily possibly. I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to have to get up super early to do tomorrow's in order to get another one out tomorrow if I do. So we'll see. But yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot more, uh, just running gun, no fancy editing, just, uh, <laughs> just shoot just to put stuff up yeah so. but and it's nine o'clock here so i am up past my bedtime even though i'm still in california <laughs> time if it's 9 p.m it's past my bedtime so it's past my bedtime and john right before we started our guest mentioned that it's bedtime so <laughs> but before i get to john uh just a quick where you can find us you can find us on instagram at oc.endurance and you can email us at podcast dot or podcast at ocendurance.com if you have questions anything like that feel free to send it on over comments um, otherwise you can find us at ocendurance.com as well so without chatting too much longer we've got a this is our third guest i think right because this is episode five guest number three so that's right we have john yance who has been a huge supporter of our oc oc endurance community he is a usat certified triathlon coach and is the founder of area three endurance and uh has a great following and a bunch of athletes and it's been uh, really cool to actually get to to meet and know john i know tony has kind of a longer standing relationship with john but just kind of getting to see him work see him at track and, and meet a bunch of his athletes it's been it's been really really good to get to know you john so uh welcome to the show thank you thanks for the kind words um Chris, Austin, Tony, thank you for having me on here. I'm actually self-conscious of my podcast voice ever since I listened to um, Josh 
on the show because <laughs> your voice said you know like, that segment came on i thought wow he does sound like ryan or not uh rick dees came to mind so i think i'm dating, I'm, I'm, dating, I'm dating myself now people are listeners like who's rick dees <laughs> I yeah. guess uh, yeah. most commonly well, Ryan Seacrest. I guess listeners in the Ukraine are like, "Who is Rick D?" <laughs> so I, I've been working on my yeah. podcast voice. So hopefully it comes out well. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. Now Tony has known you for I don't know what the history is, but I know you guys go a little bit uh, a little bit back. So how long how long have you guys known each other, Tony? Uh, we just I think it's been about ten years. Yeah, I think we I think, first yeah, met on a ride over in Santiago Canyon. I think it was the first time, so that was probably close to 10 years ago. But we didn't really start yeah. getting close until probably a couple years ago. So we've known each other for a while. And now you have actually worked, Tony, worked with John on some coaching. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I picked up uh, John. I think we talked about it in, in, I think, one of the initial podcasts uh, early on. When, once I made the decision that I wanted to try and KQ, um, I you know, I knew he had success with other athletes and, and that's what I, I knew I needed some help, especially just trying to lay out the, the cycling side of, of my training. And I just thought he was the right fit for me. And, and yes, yeah, so I, I reached out to him to sit down and have a conversation and, uh, we've been connected ever since. And obviously it worked. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Second fastest bike split last, uh, last week in his age group. Oh, I was smiling. I was smiling. Yeah, I was right. smiling here to here. <laughs> yeah, that was an impressive bike split. Yeah, now John, I guess uh, I'll let you tell a little bit of your your background. Um, I know you started. I was reading when you started Area Three, but I mean, go a little further back, um, back to either your athletic background, whether you swam, bike, and and ran in school, and and then kind of how you found triathlon, and and then how Area Three came about. Uh, so it's gonna be a long story. I'll try to condense everything, but I was always been active. <laughs> Can't be longer than last week. <laughs> I know. Well, I've always been active uh, since I was at a young age. Um, it started off with I think most of us soccer. For many, played AYSO until uh, about middle school. Went over to basketball, and that was my love. I played basketball all the way till my young adult life, early thirties. Um, played high school, played some college overseas. Uh, came back over here. Try to play out here and realize that maybe I should focus a little more on my studies and growing up. So I <laughs> uh, started working after that, but always involved in sports at a young age all the way through. Like I guess I played basketball all the way till my early, early 30s on travel teams. Um, had my son when I was about 30. Um, probably a few months after I fractured my ankle playing basketball. Uh, I didn't sit too well with the wife sitting at home with a cast. And I'm like, okay, maybe I should rethink this. I can't be playing as much basketball as I did in the past. Um, like I said, I've always been active. So triathlon came about. My brother um, has been doing it longer than I have. You know, I was playing basketball, just having fun in my late 20s. And I was like, what's he doing with triathlon stuff? Why is he running around in tight clothes when I'm wearing big basketball shorts? But so, you know, once the cast came off, I just stay active. Uh, started swimming just to get moving. Um, after that. Once the ankle healed up, started jogging a little bit, you know, playing basketball and soccer, I didn't really run anything outside of a mile. So just running a mile was long. Um, cycling came about, I mix it together. And, you know, I said, let me try this doing a 5K. So I think first 5K I did was over at the Coliseum. It was the 
it was a Nike 5K back in probably 2007, 2008. Uh, did the 5K. Wow, I could do this. Let me try to do a half marathon. So I think my first half marathon was shortly after. I believe it was the OC half marathon. They were a couple of buddies. I'm like, sheesh, I could do a half marathon. I could do a marathon. So I did a marathon. It was Long Beach, I think, when, 2009? No, 2008. 2008. A Long Beach marathon. Did that. Almost died. Um, just glad I made it through. And after that, my brother said, why don't you try to do a triathlon? So the first triathlon I did was in two, uh, winter of 2008. It was the Turkey Tri in Benelli. I'm like, I didn't do this. You know, I rode my BMX as a kid, cycle on the spin bike at the gym. We all could run, whether it's soccer, baseball, lacrosse, we, we could run. Um, swimming? Yeah, no problem. I don't have to swim. I just swim a couple yards in the pool. Uh, got to the race. I thought I was going to die. Jumped in the water. It was frigid. I'm a cold sissy, so water was probably high 50s in November. It was probably more like 60s, but it felt like 50s for me. Um, brother still has pictures of me, you know, floating on my back. I thought I was going to die. I just remember thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, I just had my firstborn. He's a few months old and grew up without a dad because I wanted to try this triathlon <laughs> thing. So, <laughs> so fast forwards, I think I signed up for my first half Ironman shortly after that. I got hungry. I wanted to do better than that. So I think it was Vine Man, two, 2000, I want to say 2011. Signed up for 2011. And I did Vine Man. I think most people signed up for it for their first uh, triathlon back then just because it was known you could stand up on the swim. You swim in the Russian River at a turnaround point. You could stand up. So you know, I, I trained for the race. I trained pretty hard. Um, got to a turnaround on race day during the swim. And I remember just having to short arm it because it was so shallow. So I trained. I'm like, I don't want to walk. But when you see feet just going back and forth, I stood up and walked because you have to. It's pretty shallow if you've ever done that race. Um, yeah. Fast forward after that. Then my first full Ironman in 20... Looking at the frame somewhere. Uh, 20, 2014. Ironman Whistler. So I did that. Um, and the rest is history. And you did that with your brother, right? You're, look, can we give some background? Like you're, you're a twin. Yeah. So my, my twin is three years younger. Oh, my, my older, my older, younger brother, <laughs> younger, younger yes. brother. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we did Ironman California or Ironman Whistler for the first time together. So it was pretty cool. Whistler and, in Canada. And the, well, yeah. yeah and in there's Canada. a pretty epic wow. photo of them at the finish. They're both jumping up and like, you know, doing the whole, uh, time tap. Yeah. And oh, so they nice. actually came through the finish line together, which was, I thought was really cool. Yeah. So wow. yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a good experience. Is that, does that race even exist anymore? No, they yeah, added the 70.3. And shortly after that, a lot of times, you know, when they add the 70.3 to a full, it's okay. This is uh, short lived. It didn't start selling out. Yeah. So it didn't last. I think it's last one was probably five years ago. But I chose Whistler yeah, I for the first one, just because I think Tony mentioned it. And one of the podcasts is, I didn't know if I ever wanted to do this again. So if I was going to be a one and done, I wanted it to be pretty damn epic. So I'm like, let's go up to Whistler. Most people snowboard, snowboard up there in the winter. I'm like, let me go uh, race for 140.6 miles. So great, memorable experience. And, you know, as far as coaching, um, you know, like I said, I started endurance sports, I guess, in 2008 or so. 
uh, really got into it. Uh, first started coaching friends, friends of friends, coworkers, and I was just doing it for a hobby. It was fun for me. Grab an Excel sheet, let me plan out their weeks, whether it just be their, you know, couch to 5K, first marathon, you know, first sprint. And I got to a point, I'm like, well, I'm helping a lot of people. Uh, what really moved me was I had a manager in the past, 2010. Uh, he started doing marathon and we had a Christmas party. And his wife came up and said to me, thank you for training him for endurance sports, in this case, marathon, because he's a completely different person. He's happier, less stressed, like much more enjoyable. So it was that, that moment, you know, I kind of just thought, hmm, it's bigger than sport. You're, you're helping a lot of people. So um, as forward to 2016, I officially started Area 3 Endurance again. 20... And what's what's the meaning behind area three? Hmm. Well, just three three different areas of endurance, racing, swim, bike, and run. Right. Yep. It, is that all you do now? Is, is strictly coaching, or do you have a, another I job? Have a nine to five, or nine to two, however you want to see it in any given day. <laughs> so I'm uh, an account executive for a medical device. So I do that for my. Yeah, I'll say nine to five, but this okay. is the fun gotcha. stuff, both fun in different ways. Both yeah, fun exactly. in different ways. So over there, yeah, I'm, I'm still coaching. I'm coaching, um, you know, doctors on their practices and athletes. I'm coaching them on, you know, what their goal is. So, right. Yeah. And right. you have a, there's two coaches with area three. Is that right? Or uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, 2017, I brought on my co-coach, coach Rebecca Walker. So she's been uh, coaching alongside with me. So she's a, uh, she's the badass triathlete. <laughs> All right. Well, I have a question before we get into uh, more serious triathlon questions. Uh, we have not had a guest since the discussion, but uh, this kind of determines where the rest of the show goes. So I you have to make going. a choice: Airwolf or Night Rider. Night Rider. Oh, Ooh. we got to end the show. <laughs> Airwolf. Airwolf. Air, air, I think Airwolf. What's that? Uh, Night Rider, oh, you think David Hasselhoff? Airwolf, I've, I could see it on TV, but I don't remember it. Oh, man. Well, Tony. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think I, I just, there's there's now an opening for a, a cycling coach on my uh, calendar. So. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer Wolf. How old are you, John? I will be 46 in January. Oh, so you are right in the range to a Yeah, that's why I thought for sure he'd be on our side. Man, I just saw David Hasselhoff right here. Decided to go with the Hoff. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no. Airwolf should have had way more seasons than than Night Rider. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, pick it up on YouTube. Whole discussion. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's even videos of Night Rider versus Airwolf, but uh, so I guess the podcast might have down. to buy you the. We might have to buy you the DVD collection of all three seasons or something so you can watch. Oh my God. Who still buys DVDs? I don't think it ever made it to streaming. <laughs> so we're going to have to find DVDs. DVD or VHS? <laughs> nice. Oh God. Well, it seems, uh, I guess as far as your coaching philosophy, I've seen, um, you know, you seem to, kind of take a scientific approach or, you know, in general, one, it's, it's definitely not a one size fits all, right. You seem to, um, customize 
your programs to your athletes and kind of their lifestyle, things like that. I guess talk to a little bit about your philosophy and kind of the, the your approach to evaluating athletes and kind of how you put them down a, a path, I guess. I guess I'll step back a little bit just on you know, training philosophy. Um, not so much talking about how I look at the scientific approach, especially when it comes to cycling and running. But I know we have a lot of, you probably have a lot of new, newer triathletes on the podcast listening right now. Uh, I think it's just the way many, even seasoned athletes, should approach their training. A lot, you know, I could bring on, talk to an athlete who's been doing it for five months or an athlete that's been doing it for five years. And I always like to stress the fact that it's one sport. You know, it, it's swim, bike, run. It's not swim, bike, and run. You know, each each discipline affects the next. Just I think uh, there's something on Discord that, you know, swim sets up your day. And that's just my approach, looking at it as one sport, definitely. Um, athletes that are strong swimmers from their background, typically I've met a few that, you know, they won't swim a lot when it comes to swim training. Why is it, oh, I, I swim a fast pace, whatever that fast pace is. Um, so I don't have to swim three to five times a week. Um, but you don't have that swim fitness separate from swim speed. That's going to affect you on the back half of the bike and definitely the run. Um, going to the bike, I think it's very important to bulletproof your legs on the bike, especially for those people that are coming from a run background so that you could run you know, fast off the bike or run to the best of your ability. And the run, just, you know, running out of your door step when you first wake up in the morning is a lot different than, you know, coming off a 1.2, 2.4 mile swim, you know, 56 or 112 mile bike, and then running a half or full marathon. Um, so I think mechanics and technique, technique is extremely important when you're doing a triathlon run. And, and that's just like from a standpoint of efficiency, you know, I mean, if you have maybe not the greatest bike fit, you're going to be a whole lot less efficient on the bike and you get off on that run and you're just, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. And I don't know if I'm going to finish type of type of mentality. Yep, yep exactly. And just since you're talking about the bike, the bike a lot of times is, I know there's a Netflix special right now. You know, I've been watching the Tour de France for a while, watching cyclists, um, coaching cyclists for a while. You know, you're going to see them spinning at a much higher cadence than us triathletes do. But now you're going to have a lot of amateur right. triathletes are coming into the sport saying, oh, wow, I got to spin at 110 RPM versus, you know, they're not running off a bike, Right. They're, they're drafting, mm -hmm. they're going, they're surging versus triathlon. Um, you want to ride at a lower cadence, just, you know, strength, being strength-based. A lot of my workouts, which Tony could attest to is, you know, big gear, big gear work on the bike and, you know, riding whatever, you, let's say your race cadence is 72. If you jump that up to 82 or even the nineties, your heart rate's probably going to go up 10 to 15 beats as well you know our heart our heart is a muscle too right so why are you going to work your heart when you can see those heartbeats for the for the run just be yeah, you know, yeah. just uh, being sense. more efficient and that's the purpose of the bike to get right. you from point a to point b the most the quickest and the most efficient 
Yeah, that was definitely, mm-hmm. I think, the biggest change in philosophy when, when we started working together was was lowering the cadence or at least doing a lot of big big gear work, low cadence work. Um, and even even now, I, I think I, I run out of gears. I can't, I can't always hit the power targets or stay low enough in the power target to run the lowest cadence that is being prescribed in these workouts. So actually, I just bought new chain rings. So I'm, I'm moving to 5642 to to be able to, nice. to do bigger gear work. And, and uh, that, I think, helped me out in the long run. So we'll put those on maybe after the lobster ride, if I decide to do the lobster ride. I'll, not, I'll, I'll see you Saturday. May, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right explain yeah, they, that a little more so you know you typically hear 80 to 90 is where your cadence should be i would say that seems to be like the average advice for for cyclists that they should be in that range yeah so you're talking about doing more training work in lower cadences or actually racing at a lower training cadence? and racing at lower cadence training to develop the strength to meet the demands of the race as well as when you're racing, not necessarily, I could prescribe big gear work, you know, 45 to 55 RPM, 55 to 65 RPM. Am I going to race at 55 RPM? Probably not. But, you know, my typical race cadence is 65 to 72. Just, um, you know, like I said, you're riding at 90 plus RPM, watch your heart rate jump up. Right. So your heart, your heart's a muscle as well. So you want to get to the run, you know, 10 beats per minute lower for 56 miles versus higher. And now that higher or that lower cadence isn't um, pushing higher wattage, possibly. Not necessarily, right? yep. Not necessarily? Not necessarily. Okay, because I would think that you would be pushing the muscles harder or lactic acid would be building quicker if you're... I mean, I know if you spin really fast, obviously it can it can go the other direction. Um, I guess it's a depends question, depending on, on on the wattage. Just like Tony said, he had to get yeah. bigger gears just because if you're looking at a power curve, like uh, track cyclists, you can't right. have them. You know, they're pushing a thousand plus watts at 150 RPM. <laughs> it's a short duration, and they're going at max maximum power. Which um, so it's all it's a depends question. You know, what wattage are you trying to hit? And what RPM, right? And and is that? I mean, I would imagine that's athlete specific. I mean, you probably have some athletes that maybe race closer to seventy, and some that race closer to eighty-five or ninety. Uh, is that, a, or do you kind of prescribe one thing? I will prescribe one thing. So if I see an athlete that's riding in the seventies, they're in a good place. They're still going to get big gear work in training. You know, forty-five, fifty-five, um, big gear work, or whether that's the Portman Hill repeats. Um, if I see definitely 90 plus, I'm bringing that athlete down. I might not jump them down right away to the fifties or sixties, but I'm going to bring it down at least 10, 10 to 15 and then fully progress from there. Gotcha. Yeah. I guess 90 plus does seem high. Um, I I tend to target kind of that 80, 82 for some reason, probably just from you know, everything that everyone has always said, like kind of in that range. Um, but I, now what is your, you, you just mentioned, Tony, that that's kind of been one of the biggest things. Do you, you see it, it's the biggest change in, in starting to work with John or did you actually, do you think you've seen big changes to your, um, your bike performance and then your run performance post that? Yeah, that's, 
That's a good question. So I think overall, my training has just gotten more more focused and more targeted, and I've I've tried to be more competitive these last years. So uh, I think a lot of that is attributed to having John, and I've never really again I've been self coached pretty much throughout my entire career, and um, so again the bike changes have been significant, and I mean my FTP now is probably up. God, I'd say probably like 60 watts from where it was pre-working with with John. Um, and then overall, I think my my average cadence maybe came down about five. I don't I, I was I was never really a high cadence rider anyway. So I think I used to ride race, you know, race pace would be like 82-ish. I like kind of where, where you're saying you were. And right now I'm probably closer to like 76, 77. And um, how that's affected my run i mean that was the whole point i think was working with john was was again he talks about bulletproofing the legs and, and being able to run to your ability off of that bike and i think now i'm better able to match my open times coming off the bike than i was previously so before i'd always be like oh, if i'm within five minutes of my open half time i think that's in the ballpark um whereas now you know, I'm, I'm really trying to almost match or maybe be only like five seconds slower per mile, uh, coming off the bike than I, that I would be for an open. So if my open right now, <clears> you know, I, I won't even, I won't talk PRs, but let's say right now, you know, I, I usually try and target just like a, a six flat. So in like a setting point three run right now, I, I on a, on a good course, I'm looking at like six ten, six fifteen for the most part. Um, and that would probably be a really good day for me to be off the bike. Now, what is your run cadence? How does that compare to your cycling cadence? Um, I don't look at my run cadence right now at pretty much at all. If I, if I do, I'm probably, it's probably almost dead always at like 181, 183. Um, so I don't really look at it much because it's, I feel like I'm, I'm, pretty it, like, like a metronome essentially it it just it whatever it falls comfortable it's always going to come back to that um unless yeah. i'm descending or climbing that's where you'll see the variance but other than that if i'm running it's one it's like 182 almost almost consistently okay now do you feel you maintain that cadence when you run slower or does your cadence slow down it i mean for the most part it it's pretty much stays at that at that cadence i don't i don't see too much variation um it may come down slightly uh, but not too much. Or, um, if I'm, if I'm running a lot slower and I'm having to change my gait to run with somebody, if I'm talking to somebody, then I, it may actually increase because I'm just taking sh a much shorter, choppier steps, um, mm -hmm. in order to stay with that person that I'm running with. But again, if I'm just free flowing, even if it's, if I'm by myself and I'm able to self-select cadence and self-select pace, it's going to, it's pretty consistent. Okay. How about you, John? Do you, do you, what kind of run cadence do you keep? I'm just curious now. It's the same. It's always in the, I like to say 90 because I used these old garments and it was uh, RPM, but now they changed to SPM <laughs> for the past couple of years. But I'm always at least 90 plus, 180 plus. And that's at all zones. So I could attest to Tony. I know he doesn't look at it, but I look at it just because I want to see what great looks like for the runs. So I'm always you know, looking at his runs. It's always at 180 plus, whether he's going at a six minute pace, given it's going to be a little higher because of the speed, um, all the way down to his you know, zone two pace and that that's the mechanics part of it you know um just high light quick uh, turnover and you know i talked to yeah. athletes that's a tough thing i'm glad you asked that is what does it look like at a slower pace anyone could hit that 180 well most people could hit that 180 if you tell them to go 
know, zone five or zone four because you're going fast. All right, now when you slow down in an Ironman and you're forced to run in your zone one pace, unfortunately, your low zone two, what does that cadence look like? A lot of times you see a significant drop. They could run in the 180, 90 RPM when they're going fast, but when you're slowed down or forced to slow down, now it's coming down to a 170, 160s. And now you're slowing down even more because of you know the eccentric load with every step versus trying to stay efficient when you slow down to keep moving. Right. Yeah. Well, so your contact time yeah, goes cadence, up. Yeah. Right? Cadence. Cadence is key. Cadence is key. Yeah. How about you, Austin? Do you monitor yours at all, or do you know? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I tend to hover around 180. Um, all you guys and are that will... you runners. I'm a <laughs> oh, loafer, <laughs> just like slopping around between 165, <laughs> 170. Actually, pre-surgery, yeah, I, mean, I was trying to work on ramping it up, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then I, I started having all kinds of issues. Uh, at first, I actually thought it had to do with my cadence, like trying to push my cadence up. I thought maybe that attributed to all the all the things starting to occur. But uh, actually, now coming back from surgery, I feel like my cadence is really slow. Like I'm trying, you know, learning to turn my legs over again has been very difficult. Um, so... Yeah, I, I have yet to start back on that, but I think I'm probably sitting in that like 160 range at this point. I, I'd imagine running on with that lever system plug um, would be a, a little a little finicky, right? So that's that's affecting your cadence as well right now. Or are you noticing the same thing whether you're running on the lever no, indoors I feel versus outdoors? Like it does outdoors. slow you down a little bit, right? Because you're almost like floating a little bit. Although right. you can turn your legs over faster as well, though on it. So I I, I feel like. You know, the one great thing about the lever is, you know, you can, for me, coming back, uh, being completely out of run shape, is I'm able to run at a faster rate at a lower heart rate just because the load is, you know, so much less. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, but I definitely, I mean, for me coming back off surgery, I've noticed that I feel like my my run cadence is, is very slow right now. What does it look low? What is low. what does it look like when we're on the track? I've seen you out there a couple of times. Is it a little quicker than when you're on that lever? Yeah, I mean it definitely goes up with speed, right? Like you said, yeah. someone you know, if I'm running sevens, I'm I'm probably in that one seventy five. I don't know that I'm ever one eighty, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think I'm that that's pretty high. Uh, I think I'm probably. You know, I was, when I was working my way up, I was probably 172 ish, you know, one, you know, if I concentrate on it, yeah. I really have to focus on it though. It's definitely not a natural thing. If I, if I just get back into a rhythm, you know, and doing an eight minute mile or doing an easy run, then yeah, I'll, I'll slip down into that 165. Um, but if I'm focused, I'm using a metronome or I'm watching it on my watch, I can, I can force myself up. Um, but I, I can see that it's going to take a little while to retrain and build back up. Yeah. And it takes practice. So you know, I tell athletes, even if it yeah. feels like a shuffle, then you're, you're doing it right. It's, it's training it over time. It, John, is this all stuff that uh, obviously you have credentials and everything, but is this something that you've just learned yourself or uh, how, what, what's your background and, and how did you begin to start prescribing these sorts of things to athletes? Wow. Um, just learning through my own failures, right? Just uh, learning quick yeah. or I think for myself, I, I learn slow sometimes. <laughs> um, and, you know, just uh, the thing with USAT, 
I have to hit a certain amount of uh, continuing education units every two years. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think you actually just you completed that Trisoto uh, certification, correct? Yeah, I was going to mention um, that too. Well, so um, Trisoto. What was the biggest takeaway I think from there? Oh wow, I've been a student of Trisoto for quite probably over five years. Um, Let's explain so, what that is real quick for those who don't know. So, Coach Brett Sutton, he's uh, he doesn't coach her anymore, but he was a world-renowned coach of Daniela Reef, Nicola Sperry. Um, he's known globally. He has coaches all over the world. I've worked with a couple of them in the past five years. So just learning from them and taking on their course uh, last year, just uh, it's the exact same way that I train my athletes. Just the whole philosophy, just one sport, swim, bike, run, uh, the swim fitness, the strength on the bike with big gears and technique under fatigue for the run. That's the big three for each of the you know, the swim, bike, and run. Everything just kind of falls around there. Um, like I said, they have rolled down coaches all over the world. Uh, worked with one in Germany and one out of Colorado. So just uh, learning from them. And like I said, my own, my own failures. And, you know, coaching all the athletes I've coached over the years. Yeah. And, and what is your favorite athlete to work with? Is it that beginner, a veteran kind of like Tony, someone you can kind of really fine tune and, do you have athletes that are all sorts of different goals? Maybe it's their first Olympic. Maybe it's their first Ironman. Maybe they're trying to KQ. What, what is that kind of your, your stable, if you will, look like? I coach athletes from doing their first sprint all the way to corner qualifiers like Tony, uh, who are experienced. Um, I get excited when I'm able to help any athlete achieve their goal or put a goal in place and put a path on how we're going to get there. Uh, beginner athletes, uh, I've worked with them a lot. For those that remember, there was a shop out in Los Alamitos called Trizone. So they were just great with the community. That's why I love what you guys are doing. They, you know, after COVID, they shut their doors over 20 years in business. So a lot of group rides were coming out of there. Um, they had a program called Give It a Try, which I spoke at and you know, did some workshops. So those are all new triathletes, first time sprint, um, a lot of their main race was race on the base, which I think Tony mentioned that he used to do every year. And um, season athletes, just uh, like I said, like Tony coming to me with goals of Kona or goals of hitting the podium. Um, I get excited probably most when athletes tell me, or I know from the athlete's background, they're strong runners, just because for a lot of free athletes, the majority of them, their standalone half marathon or marathon time is nowhere near what it looks like in a half or full Ironman. So when I know those athletes have that capacity to run fast in a race, but it's nowhere to be found, I get excited about that. That probably uh, gets me the most hype up, hyped up. That's cool. A lot of potential yeah. there. So you're like, you're just scratching the surface. You don't, you don't even know what you're capable yeah. of. Because they run fast for yeah. half marathon and marathon, but you know, they could be running in the mid sevens for a half marathon. You come to half Ironman. Now they're running in the nines or tens over and over. <laughs> yeah. You know, I could kind of guess of what's yeah. going on with the training. It's actually sit down with them, put a plan in place and, you know, shave off that time. You know, it feels really good. And, and you'll coach all aspects or do you do some people like Tony, Tony comes to you. Sounds like just specifically for the mm -hmm. bike. Um, do you have a preference of, I mean, I, it, it seems like you would rather 
coach all three, right? You have control of all things, yeah. but um, does it hinder you at all if you can only coach one aspect? Not really. So about 99, 99% of my athletes is triathlon, but I like Tony. So I said, all right, that's a, uh, we can work together. You know, you're a cool dude. <laughs> yeah, Tony's the one percent. That makes that sense. One, so he's special. Yeah, he's special on the list. You kind of took my question, right? I was going to say, you know, who's your current favorite athlete to coach, and why is it me? But <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, you know, who gives you the most headaches? Biggest thing with the runners that are coming on, why I get excited with them, you know, I could dissect it before I even talk to them, is um, the work on the bike, like we discussed. And I think for most of our athletes, not just runners, is you know, they put a low emphasis on the swim. I think on Discord, there was a, a pie chart that was showed of what percentage of volume should be of your swim. I think it's a depends question, but I think Tony said he swims five times a week. I think not just the bike strength that I put in place. I know Tony started swimming a lot over the Masters, so the swimming plays a big role in that. So I like to take all the credit because it was the bike and why he's able to run well. But it was all, it was all that. It's a combination, right? So it's, if he didn't, if he swam once a week, still nailed the bike sessions, did what he did on the run, I put my money on, he wouldn't have, he'll still do well, but he wouldn't have done as well as he has done in the past year. Yeah, well, well, you said one to, Go ahead, Austin. Uh, to that point, so how much better would Tony be if you got to coach him in all three aspects? Wow. Um, let me think about that one. Ouch. Cause he's pretty damn good in my opinion. So that'd be about, there's always room for improvement, right? Yeah. He'd be getting that. He'd be going for that pro card. Is that what we're hearing? That's right. I'd be one old pro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all, y'all for Daniel's about our age, right? Or your age. <laughs> I wish I was young for Daniel's age. <laughs> All right, Tony, I did it. You, when you mentioned that, I was um, surprised you swim five days a week. I swim three serious days, and then sometimes I swim open water. And most of the time, I don't know that I consider that a, a real – I mean, it's a swim, but if we're only swimming 12, 1,500 yards, I, you know, that I don't really feel like that's a – for me, that's not like a real swim, right? We go out and swim, you know, a couple – say two or three laps down at uh, Belmont Shores. It's a good swim, but um, like for me, I'm swimming three um, solid days a week. Uh, I'm always trying to hit 3,500 to 4,000 yards. Um, when you're swimming five days uh, a week, I guess what kind of yardage are you? Are you doing five hours a week? Is that what you mean by that? Or no, I, I, it's literally five times. So um, typically I, I do masters four days a week. I, I do like Monday, I take Tuesday off cause it's their stroke day and I, I, you know, I'm not really into the stroke. So I, I avoid as much as possible. So I'll go Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then I have my open water on Sunday and okay. it's masters is an hour from, you know, kind of in the water to, you know, to, to getting out. But a lot of that is, as, as you know, with masters is, you know, getting instruction or direction on, on the side of the wall or getting the next interval, what, what you're going to work on next. So it, it's probably works out to about 40 to 45 minutes a day of, of swimming when I'm at masters. Yeah. And then my, my long sustained swim is always, again, going to be roughly 35 minutes at, at minimum. And then, you know, if I decide to go longer then it, it is what it is, but yeah, no, it's not, it's definitely not five hours of swimming, but it is, it is five, five days. Okay. 
Yeah. And again, I mean, I get you, you have been doing full, but a lot of times you've been doing a lot of halves as well. So, cause I always get asked that I get asked that question often, or I get hit up on, on Strava. Why don't, why am I swimming 4,000 yards three days a week when I really only swim 2,200 yards in a race? And, um, I guess it's along those lines of what you're speaking to, John, is I, I like having swim fitness. I like swimming high volume. Um, you know, it, it's not hard on the body at all. Um, and so I feel there's a lot of fitness gained there mm-hmm. in, in swimming. Um, but yeah, for me, three, I mean, I, yeah, I guess if, if I get an open water day, then I'll, I'll, that would be four. But most of the time I think I'm, I'm swimming three times a week yeah and and early on i always looked at it with was you know in triathlon i didn't want to really train with triathletes i wanted to swim with swimmers i wanted to cycle with cyclists i wanted to run with runners i wanted to get my ass kicked in all three um and so i wanted to train with people that were specializing in each of those uh, disciplines specifically and you know one of my good friends is is a really good swimmer and he basically said you know if you're swimming three days you're basically gonna you're gonna maintain you're, you're kind of where you're at and where I wanted to be was definitely not to maintain, uh, that speed and that fitness level. So, you know, at four at a minimum is, is where you start to make progress. I think five is really good. Um, but if you look at it, yeah, I mean, 4,000 yards to a swimmer on a day is nothing. It's literally, they, they do, you know, 10 K plus a day swims and, and, and that's nothing yeah. to them. So, um, I, I always thought that, you know, at, when I'm really trying to get after it, five days is kind of really where I want to be and where I think I see the most progress. And even though I, I think early on when I talk to people, they're so quick to give up on swimming because they're not seeing a difference in their pacing. Uh, they're like, oh, you know, I, I took masters and I was there for, you know, four months and, you know, I, I swam a 32 half iron before that and I swam a 32 after. And it's like, well, yeah, but how much fresher were you coming out on that later 32, right? If I feel like I'm, I'm feeling great coming out of the water to 32 versus huffing and puffing, I'm already out of breath. My, my heart rate's already elevated. That's progress. Yeah. You're not seeing on the clock for the swim, but you will see it overall. And I think that's the biggest uh, misnomer with, with people that are, um, I think again, just this generation of instant gratification, not seeing those times drop immediately. So they don't want to put in the work, uh, cause they'll, they'll see the work immediately. Um, if they, if they cycle more, right. You see those times come down pretty quick. You see your FTP jump up, you know, in, in, in a few weeks and there's that instant gratification that you get versus, versus the swim. So I think that's, that's something to keep in mind. No, I agree with both of you. Yeah, it, oh, go ahead. Austin. No, I was, I was just going to ask, um, in terms of like scheduling your athletes, uh, do you have athletes that kind of fight you on certain workouts or do you give them leeway to, maybe move a bike and a run depending on how they feel is that that no go or is that okay i mean we have a lot of you know newer triathletes i mean myself included that probably curious well you know i didn't i don't feel like i'm gonna get a quality run in i might be better off on a recovery bike or something like that i do you have any experience oh yeah with that? i'm more than up to that just as quick as a text you know coach i'm feeling like crap i didn't sleep well had a rough day at work i don't think i'm gonna get this in you know take a rest day or like you said, if you're totally smashed from yesterday's training, do an easy run, easy spin. I have no problem with that. You know, I like to look at my training in, in three days, windows, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Okay, what did I do yesterday? How's it going to affect what I'm going to do today? And how's today going to affect tomorrow, what I do? And that's why, you know, really, oh, wow, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm planning out my 
active weeks, one week at a time, just because there might be missed workouts. Okay, you missed workouts, you had a rough week with the family, a rough time at work. Okay, let's let's repeat a couple of these next week. Or you didn't hit certain targets from this previous week. Let's uh let's go for it again. Or you did well yeah, in the past two weeks, let's that. move on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really I really try not miss workouts or move stuff around. I feel like a failure if I do. Um, so I, I don't yeah. miss, I don't think I, I've really ever missed a workout. Um, but I have failed a workout and I'll, I'll usually, you know, let him know why or, um, again, because he only controls my, my cycling for the most part and all these other races get thrown on my calendar and running races specifically. And it's sometimes I'm just not recovered from a Saturday, Sunday, you know, effort that when it's time to cycle on Tuesday, my legs just aren't there. Um, and I'll just, I'll have to bail on the workout and I'll let them know. And sometimes I'm, I'm in the back of my mind. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that that, that one just goes away. And then sure enough, he'll be like, well, let's try it again next week. I'm like, God damn it. I did not, that's not what I wanted to hear. Right. Like I was just hoping that one was behind me and move on to the next. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, there, there is, um, sometimes I'll look at a workout and, and think I don't have it. And then it makes it that much greater when you get through that workout. Um, and, and you complete it and you're like, oh, Holy shit. I, I didn't think I could hit those targets. And, and I really made it through and it really helps build confidence uh, in that aspect. So that's, I think that's, that's part of what I also enjoy having a hands-off approach to the bike is I just, I just have to hit what's in front of me. Um, and also sometimes I take it as a challenge, right. Or sometimes trainer road, or not, trainer road will take John's workouts because John inputs the workouts and obviously they get fed into trainer road for me and trainer road will look at it and be like overreaching or that's going to be a breakthrough or like, you know, basically saying like, good luck. And I'm like, bitch, I got this. Let me, let me show you what, I, you know, <laughs> so it, it's almost a take as a challenge, uh, to really yeah. go after these workouts. Um, and, and I find that again, it's, it just, that's motivating for me. Yeah. And, and John, is that okay? I, I think a lot of people maybe put a little bit of stress or unneeded anxiety on themselves that while well, this workout looks tough, like Tony's saying, you look at a workout and you talk, you try to almost talk yourself out of it. Right. Is it okay to fail a workout? I mean, do you come back to that same workout maybe a couple of weeks down the road or, you know, cause a lot of times it is mental. You're, you're just kind of getting yourself ahead of, you know, maybe you have some intervals going and you're I well, I don't know if I can do this for two more or three more, but you know, it, 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 is it okay to fail that workout and come back to it? Or did you not get anything out of it if you did fail? Well, it's definitely okay to, I wouldn't say fail. Maybe listen, it's definitely okay to listen to your body and pull back the intensity or, you know, I have you know, five times three minutes VO2 max. You get through two, and you're like, you know what? I can't get this. This isn't going to happen today. Let me just, uh, you know, you know, drop it back or, or go easy because now the intention of the workout isn't there anymore, especially with running. You know, last thing you want to do is overreach, trying to chase the pace and then hurt yourself. So it's definitely okay to listen to your body and pull back. And unfortunately, I may reschedule that for the week after. Tony said, well, let's, let's do this again. I know, I know we didn't hit it this week, but I know you can hit it. So, you know, let's rest up right. and then go back and get it again next week and then move on. Yeah, and I, I think that's important, you know, having someone like you in their corner saying, hey, I trust me, I look at the data, I know what you're capable of. I would not prescribe this to you unless you could actually yeah, do exactly. it. Right. I mean, I think people are their own worst enemies sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely where you would come in, you know, as that, 
you know, Rocky Balboa's coach would, one of you old guys, what's his name? Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I can picture him in my head. You know, in his corner. You mean, you mean Mickey? <laughs> yeah, there we see. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> you know, but having that guy in your corner and saying, you know, you can, you can do this, get up, let's go, let's get going, keep yep. going, you know. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Yeah. At, at dinner, I just threw out, um, I just said somebody's like B.A. Baracus, and, and one of the guys here was just like, Dude, you just pulled that out of somewhere. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man! Wait, Austin, do you know the A team? I, I I know what they are. Oh. I never watched them. <laughs> Did you know who B.A. Baracus was? Yeah, yeah, but only because I've seen references. And it's funny. I was at the gym the other day, and that the new A team with Bradley Cooper and Rampage Jackson that was on, and I was just like, oh man, this is. Then that movie's now old, right? Yep. So how old's this the actual, you know, original the show? Eighties with a, who else? Murdoch, Murdoch, oh my. Face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do see. I would say that is one of the biggest things um, we've talked about this before. You you schedule workouts a week out, and we actually were having a. I was asking um, Tony and things like that about looking at workouts. Um, my particular coach schedules my workouts basically the day before. Right. So I have no real time. I know generally what's going to be on the day as far as I know swims are this day and this and that. But I, and I don't even look at what the workout is until the morning of really. Um, and I don't even worry about it. Don't even think about it. And, you know, and that way I'm not concentrating on it. On one hand, Tony, you mentioned, hey, if you know there's something really big, you'll you'll pay more attention to your recovery. Which is good, right? You you know, it cues you to to either go to bed earlier or, or get your recovery in. Um, but I will say that is one of the biggest things I hear from athletes, um, which comes to mindset, is their you know kind of that self defeating attitude um, or mindset even before a workout ever starts. Right? It's just like there's no way I'm going to get through this today. There's no way I'm going to. You know, and it's just like every day, no matter what the workout is, they're just already in this like failed state um, of, you know, they're not going to be able to do it. They're not going to be able to do this ride. They're not going to be able to hit these paces. They're not going to be able to get through the, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that with athletes? If, you know, if you've got someone that, that's kind of struggling or kind of, kind of self-defeating themselves. As far as do you have any advice? Planning out their weeks. Or just going by the you know, we're just going into, you know, I think I've had to work a lot on like, for me, it's mindset, right? I mean, a lot of this sport yeah. comes down to mindset, right? And if I look at a workout and I mean, there's just no way I can hit these paces, right? I mean, I'm, I mean you're kind of already self, you're going in kind of already setting your destiny, kind of self-defeating before you even get to the workout, you're dreading the workout. Um, I think that's a lot of the area I've tried to work on kind of that mental strength and, and things like that. And, um, you know, the attitude towards that stuff or, you know, kind of letting that stuff go. Um, I mean, do you see that with athletes or do you work with, you know, an approach on that for people? Yeah. I don't see that too often. I think most of us like to go after and get it, but I see that definitely. Um, if you're seeing a certain pace or target wattage wise that you don't think you're going to hit, you're like, you know what? I just can hit this. Why do you see prescribing, you know, 300 Watts for five minutes? It's just, I'm not going to be able to get through these intervals. I think that's where it's key to knowing your athlete. You know, everyone's approach is training differently. Everyone has a different mindset. Um, and knowing when to prescribe workouts based on targets 
like pace or power, or we're just going to go all on the field today. I think, you know, triathlon or endurance sports is a s art and a science. So the science part, we have our testing, we have our heart rate, power zones, whatnot, but it's, it's also not, we got to listen to our body. So when our athlete is getting to that self-defeating mindset, um, I might prescribe a workout where it's just moderate, medium, I like to say mad or very strong, and just go all on feel. One of my favorite workouts, whether it be bike, a bike progression or progression run, um, let's just say 15-minute builds. So I'll say 15 minutes moderate, 15 minutes medium, 15 minutes mad. A lot of times with that mad, I'll put question mark. Okay, you go to the moderate intensity for 15 minutes, kick it up a notch to medium. Do I have that 15 minutes to kick it up an extra gear to go mad or very strong, or do I need to stay here in medium? So I think that's very important to listen to your body. And I think with athletes that are looking at paces, looking at target watts, if they could just you know, block that out and maybe just put a, I think I had a ride like this for Tony's not self-defeating, but I, you know, I did this for a workout for him a few weeks ago where I said, you know, put an electric tape on your Garmin computer. Cause I think a lot of times we're so fixated on what the power numbers or pace says that we're not in tune with our body. So I think, I think that helps a lot. Just going yeah. by feel, not feeling. Yeah. Going off yeah. the numbers and just so concerned yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then is that, to Chris's question, is that a kind of part of all the whole package that you do offering coaching with mindset? Do you um, offer nutrition coaching, recovery, all that sort of stuff, strength coaching? What, or is it a case by case, case basis? By case. case by case. Okay. Everyone's individual, okay. everyone's different, everyone has different needs. Um, yeah. So. John, um, so can you go over a little bit the the partnership with Inside and how you utilize that to um, help coach and, and train your athletes? Well, so going Inside metabolically metabolic metabolic testing. Uh, well, this is a whole podcast in itself. Um, so I just yes, give a, I don't want to dive too far. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to turn this into a physiology course. I think both of your uh, listeners will probably just tune out. So I'll give a ten thousand foot view. So I go over here. So um, every athlete is unique, right? We're all different, male, female, age, athletic experience. Um, Insight is a software that's just pretty, it's metabolic, metabolic testing. It's, I'm going to see what Tony, Austin, and Chris, what your individual physiology is, and we're going to train through that. Um, we're going to do this with cycling and with running. So I'm most going to talk about cycling uh, right now, just because a lot of people do FTP tests if you have a power meter. So FTP, I'm going to ask, who's the newest triathlete over here? It'd be the young guy. Austin. All right, Chris. <laughs> Austin, what is FTP? Not to put you on the spot, but... Functional functional threshold okay. power um, what does that try to determine well usually it's uh what you can do for 20 minutes right that's kind of the standard test what you can hold uh what power level yeah. you can hold yeah so you know um what is it trying to determine with that power i'm not trying to put you on the spot i'm going to make a point over here yeah uh would that be efficiency and how quickly you can clear lactate um i would say quickly you clear lactate so ftp is a functional threshold power 
test, like you said, and the most common protocol is doing a 20 minute full gas effort. And with that 20 minute effort, we're taking 95% of that number. And that would be your functional threshold power. Why 95%? We're saying that 95% of that mm-hmm. is what you can ideally hold for an hour at a steady state. And we're taking percentages mm-hmm. of that zone one, two, three, four, five, six. That FTP test, that protocol is the same for you, is the same for Chris, for Tony, for me, same mm. for a 22-year-old college athlete. You know, my grandma's passed away, but same protocol for my grandma. So it's, it's a cookie cutter. FTP okay. is trying to determine, so functional threshold power, it's a function of what? So I could, I, if I go on for an hour for this, I'll just uh, stop after this. <laughs> it's a function of what? It's, <laughs> it's trying to tr- determine our anaerobic threshold. Anaerobic threshold, historically known as maximum lactate steady state. So not the intensity at which we're clearing lactate, but the intensity at which we're producing and combusting an equal amount of lactate. Once you go over that anaerobic threshold or FTP, now you begin to accumulate lactate. Okay. Anaerobic threshold, it's comprised of our three energy systems. We're only most concerned about two because creating phosphates supplies about eight to 12 seconds of energy. You have your aerobic system, VO2 max, and anaerobic energy system, VLA max. That comprises your anaerobic threshold. So the thing with FTP, it's one dimensional. We can all hit zone three intervals, zone four intervals, but which of those energy systems is Tony targeting? Austin's targeting and Chris is targeting. It, it's, it's different, right? So you might have a more aerobic energy system and another athlete might be purely anaerobic. Problems I see with the FTP tests, including myself when I started doing the sport, I could in the past put out a Anaerobic athlete, which I would play soccer, basketball, uh, athlete that's done track, football, lacrosse, you could put a big 20-minute power number. Um, but 95% of that is your FCP. That could be highly inflated. I've done tests for athletes where we have a 20-minute FTP test number. We test them metabolically. It could be up to 20 watts, 30 watts, even I've seen lower. Just because, you know, oh, wow. 20 minutes, you could put a big, strong number. Um, issue with myself when I was doing those 20-minute tests was, okay, 20-minute test, take 95% of that. Zone 5, zone 6, I could hit those, no problem. Zone 4, no problem. It's at high intensity, you know, 1-minute, 3-minute, 12-minute intervals. You had me do low zone 3 tempo-ish or even the zone 2, damn, this is hard. I'm struggling just because that FTP is inflated a lot of times. It's, it's a good number. It's easy to do. And you know, it's pretty accurate. But I think with the accuracy part, accuracy part of an FTP, I think most just go out and do a 20-minute hard effort. Uh, a lot of my athletes, so I don't test everybody. We, I do a lot of FTP tests, and they work well. But I like to take the anaerobic component out of it. So if I have an athlete where we're going to do an FTP test, I'm having them do a max full gas one-minute effort full gas five minute effort before going into the 20 minutes, just so I can remove some of that anaerobic contribution to get a, a oh, better, okay. uh, closer FTP. 
hey, if you want to hurt, if you want to hurt for one hour, that's probably the best, especially if you're a strong anaerobic athlete. I've done that before too, and that was the right. accurate they got. Hurt like hell. I think I started down over uh, that last bridge in Huntington Beach, took me all the way towards <laughs> Anaheim. That sucked. <laughs> I did it once. Yeah. Again. Yeah. <laughs> And so that's kind of what you're using inside for is kind of connecting those two bridges yeah. really or connecting yep, that yep. bridge. Yeah. So yeah. I guess I could okay. keep talking about it to talk about the metric it spits out the VO2 max, VLA max, anaerobic threshold, fat max, carb max. But like I said, that's a podcast in itself. So I do have a little nice surprise, uh, not confirmed yet, but I'm in talks with the founder uh, of inside Sebastian Weber. He's a national Pro Cycling Coach, National Federation. So we're just trying to iron out the details to have him a guest on the podcast in the future. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, he can yeah, awesome. go about into dig dive dive dig dive deep into it. Do a and give a physiology part of the podcast. Yeah, more than one. <laughs> you might need more than two hours for that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, you know, you know, that's awesome. Tony, I test it with inside uh, my athletes, whether they're beginner athletes or top age group athletes and it's, it's specific to their physiology. They were to train to Tony's physiology. And I guess what are these, I guess, uh, explain a little bit, you know, I've done a VO2 max test. I've done a metabolic test where I've gone and breathed in a tube for a certain amount of time, right? That's looking at your metabolic rate. You know, what, a, how is, is this different than a VO2 max type test or is this, what exactly are these tests? How are they performed? Um, so the protocol for a test, but we are also determining what your VO2 max is without using the mask. I like to call that the Hannibal Lecter <laughs> test. So my question to you, Chris, because I have athletes that come, did a VO2 max test. Um, what did you do with the number? <sighs> Nothing really. And that's, that's, that's <laughs> you know, I'm putting you on the spot, but that's the question I asked. Oh, I did this VO2 max test. Okay, cool. What does that mean? What did you do? Oh. I yeah. have this cool, I have this cool report. to be in the excellent category of the 20 to 24 at 47. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to be, yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah. There's, there's very little, right? Unless you go and put it in your Garmin or try and do something with it. Yeah, it, it, very, very little. I, I don't really do. I did, I will say, I did try to look at my, um, my threshold from the standpoint of, because I was using math to try and do kind of zone two training. So I was really more interested in what the top end of my zone two was yeah. uh, more so than really what my VO2 max was. I wanted to know when I kind of was switching, you know, lactate going LT, uh, was it LT1 mm -hmm. to LT2 yeah. or is that the right term? Yeah. That was really what I was curious about because I was trying to focus on doing a lot of zone two training at the time. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, you do the math calculation and you get a number um i think that calculation probably gives you a good middle of zone two probably rule of thumb and you know i kind of was looking at okay well what is what is kind of the max of my zone two when do i really flip over and that was kind of about 10 10 beats higher than that okay so that's kind of really why i did the test yep, yep. you know for me 145 is kind of where i start to you know start to move up you know 145 is kind of the max i'll i'll do i'll start to kind of start moving over at that point yeah. okay so fair enough and that's what this uh inside metabolic test does it's, it's a metabolic test so we're getting your vo2 max uh we're getting your vla max most people know what vo2 max it's a uh, it's a metric for your 
oxygen consumption and production. So it's your measure of your aerobic system. VLA max is kind of like the brother or sister of VO2 max. It's the measurement of your anaerobic system there. So with that, like I said, the combination of both is your anaerobic threshold. We're able to see which training dial we need to turn in training on what we're trying to accomplish or what training adaptations we're looking for. I have a question, and you know, as far as blood lactate, right? That's kind of been the the big thing in the last couple of years. You, know, you got Lionel Sanders pricking his ear all the time, right? They're looking at you know all of that. Where where do you see any of that falling for a, a normal age group athlete, or how are you using anything along those lines? Yeah, so with uh, inside the software, so we could do it virtually. Um, I've seen success doing it virtually. Like with Tony, I have another athlete that qualified for Kona up in Boulder as well. We do that virtually. I so test athletes with the blood lactate. So I'm able to marry the information with blood lactate into the inside protocol and numbers we get from that. So it adds some level of accuracy. Uh, Seeing, like I said, success with athletes that we're testing virtual without with blood lactate and those that we are testing with blood lactate. So you kind of ask, like, who is it for? Do you see more success with top age groupers or? Um, amateur athletes or beginner athletes, I think it's for both. I think um, for any age grouper, it's some athletes, it isn't just for pros. That would be a top age grouper to do that. You know, I'm just starting off. I'm an amateur. I don't have a lot of training time. Um, I think gives athletes like us, age groupers, the most benefit because we don't have 40 hours to train per week. Um, a lot of inefficiencies, inefficiencies in training could be made up in volume. We don't have that volume. So we have to be very precise with our training. Some athletes might have 10 hours a week. Some may have 20 hours a week. Um, time away from work, family, friends. We want to make sure every interval that we're hitting is with precision. So I think it's for, mostly for the age groupers. Like I said, we don't have 40 hours a week to train and make up any inefficiencies just by volume. Yeah, interesting. I think that's interesting. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Yeah, and with me with the testing, we did do lactate testing, sure. so there was little, literal blood, sweat, and tears in that test. <laughs> I think that's the closest I ever come to throwing up in, on, on the bike. That's just not fun. Yeah, no, I've been I've been curious about getting some of the the additional tests done. I, I like, you know, again, what you do with the information. Uh, you know, I, I like I like the numbers. I think I like seeing potentially where you know where how it can improve over time or how it might change over time. Uh, I think that's why I got into doing the testing, whether it was my metabolic rate testing. Um, I was really, you know, from a metabolic standpoint, you know, I was looking at some, you know, what is my resting metabolic and then how that has changed over time with age or with muscle mass, you know, the more muscle you put on, right. A lot of times your metabolic rate is going to go up, right. And you can burn more calories, things like that. So I've always been interested in the testing, but, you know, seeing some of the new stuff you guys are, are doing, um, I'm going to have to hit you up, John. Oh, for sure. And like I said, it's, it's yeah. the precision. You know, with the software, I'm able to see, for instance, um, a one-minute hard effort. I think a good common uh, popular workout there is one minute on, one minute off. So you're going hard for one minute, you're doing easy for one minute. I'm able to see at a certain intensity or wattage how much 
lactate tony is accumulating at let's say 350 watts now if there's accumulation of lactate of one molemol per liter we'll just keep the math easy for 350 watts but then he's combusting at recovery at 170 watts only half a molemol of lactate well then it's not a one-to-one ratio it's a one minute hard at one minute you know one minute hard with a one millimole lactate accumulation and then two minutes at his recovery effort to clear all that lactate if that's the intention of the workout. So that just goes along with the precision of the training along with... And you're taking that test. The, you're, so you're using those tests in how you kind of scale and program yep. his workout. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All my athletes have tests. It's, it's all with precision. Okay, what molemole concentration am I looking for? Even with, you know, uh, threshold, you know, three to 3.5 millimoles of lactate. If I want to athlete doing nine minutes uh, threshold work, I'm able to do with the software is say, okay, nine minute hard effort. I'm looking for a lactate concentration of uh, 3.5 millimoles of a liter. Then I'm able to see what wattage she needs to hit for that. So. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Yeah, there could be a whole nother podcast and you may just have to be on when we have uh, have them on. Yep. That might be like I said, it's gonna go over the two hours. All right. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are already at an hour and thirteen minutes, man. Time flies by, I would say. That's all right. Well. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I agree we're gonna have to get John on, you know maybe once a month or whatever his schedule will allow do like a 30 minute coach's corner, get some questions and things like that. And, you know, get real nerdy with it if people want to. Yeah. yeah that'd be great. Yeah, no, this is great. But you know, I just want, I just want to leave it just for the New York athletes or even seasoned athletes. Look at this as one sport. It's swim, bike, run and swim. Fitness is key just to step back really quick. When Tony was talking about the swim, Chris, you hit the nail on the head saying that you feel like you could really raise your fitness without really pounding your body through running. And I watch all the metrics on training peaks, fitness, fatigue, and form. You know, if, for myself or even athletes that swim four or five times a week, you're going to see that fitness really increase if you're swimming four to five times a week for a consistent three weeks. And I think Tony talked about just swimming with some of his friends in the Masters is you know, seeing instant gratification just swimming, you know, 3,000 yards at a time. I like to tell athletes when I first speak to them, I have two warnings. Number one, the warning is I think our squad swims more than most. But I like to say if you're a new swimmer or you're just getting on with your season, you swim for 4,000, 3,000 yards before work at 5 in the morning. How do you feel around 11 o'clock? Okay, now... Hungry. Yeah, irritable. One hits the body. <laughs> Imagine taking that lack of swim fitness into a race and now 40 miles into the bike right. and now you got to run a half marathon and you know consistency we could do all these tests you know inside metabolic tests go to a lab put the hannibal lecter mask on uh, lactate testing but you're not going to do the work you know nothing works if you don't do the work so you know being consistently consistent is what's going to get you the you know the most bang for your training buck yeah, definitely 
100% agree with that. Uh, over the years, you know, a lot of you'll see, you know, I was victim of it too. And I first got into, you know, doing triathlon. It was, you know, you do a race, you train for it, you put all this work in, and then it's that roller coaster, right? You know, how many people do a race and then they don't, they don't hardly train until the next year when they're about to do another race, right? And, and you, all those gains you made, you lose. Um, so I've definitely learned um, over the years that even at a low level, maintaining that some level of consistency constantly, um, you're going to, you're going to stay a lot fitter than, than kind of that, you know, on for six months and then off for six months, you know, keeping that consistency. I don't don't know what an off season is. Yeah. (laughs) Consistency over time, right? Not necessarily structured training to race, but just being active. I like to call, you know, after a big race exercise, I'm going to exercise, just keep the body moving. Whether it's trail running, which I know Tony does in whatever off season he has, or some like to ride the gravel bikes. They're they're always doing something. Just keep the body moving. Yep. Well, cool. Well, thank you, John, for coming on. We do appreciate it. Uh, Tell people where they can find you. What places? How can people, whether it's on social media, online, how can people get a hold of you? You can find me on SART um, every Saturday with OC Endurance. www.area3endurance.com um instagram area underscore three underscore endurance there we go did tony give you that handle you guys got to work on that <laughs> i fixed tony, mine tony loves the underscores <laughs> i fixed mine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you don't realize what it's like until you're giving it out every week on a podcast, and you're like, "Oh, I got it." Right, <laughs> <right. laughs> yep. Well, nice. All right. Well, we'll make sure I will include that in the show notes. Area three endurance dot com. I was actually on your site. You've got a great website. You know, it's very informative. All kinds of information on there on your the way you way you coach and the different testing programs, things like that. So, hey, you've got a great website. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thanks. accepting all athletes, anybody not in my age group. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. Anybody got anything else before we uh, before we close it down here? No, I think that's it, man. Uh, another good week, and we'll have some more stuff on next. And again, hopefully, we can get John back on soon. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks again, John. All right, Tony Austin. As always, good to catch up with you. I will. Uh, I'll be back in California on Monday, so. Maybe I'll be at track on Wednesday. See Tony there. Uh, and then not out on SCART until the following weekend. But actually, the following weekend is when we're having the first OC Endurance that's barbecue. Right. I don't know. Are you coming, Tony? Are you going to mingle with us or are you busy? You got a race. No, I, I will most likely be there. I think I'm 80-20 right now. I'm just waiting for some final confirmation on things, and I didn't want to sign up and, and not show, so... Yeah. All right. Uh, I was figuring yeah, we were waiting to see what the guest list was like before you committed. Yeah, special appearance. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He's like, how many people? Oh, wait. There's not enough people for me to show up. <laughs> All right, guys. And uh, John, it was good talking to you guys. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Have a good one. <laughs>